KV Mart stores are rooted in the communities we serve, and we are connected to the land in the same way our customers are. Whether you're an urban farmer, backyard chicken aficionado, traditional rancher, or anything in between, we offer just the right mix of homesteading, outdoor adventure, DIY, yard and garden, outdoor and workwear, husbandry, livestock, and pet supplies. Whether you're a dabbler or all-in, we're here to help and strive to offer a range of products that will meet the unique needs of our customers. PV Mart will always be there with the tools, equipment, indoor or outdoor wares, seed or feed, for everyday work, fun, or connecting to the land on a whole new level. For more information, go to pvmart.com. Hi, I'm Ian Sherwood. As a songwriter and musician, I've traveled through countless small towns, heard incredible stories, and witnessed some of the amazing ways in which people in towns and cities across this vast country have woven their lives into the land they live on. It's made me think about the way I interact with my own environment and the natural world, where my family's food comes from, what impact I'm having on the planet, and what we're all leaving behind for our kids to inherit. So now I'm on a mission to learn about how I can tap back into the essence of where we all come from. Today, with so much at our fingertips, it's easy to lose sight of the most important connection we have. Welcome to Connected to the Land. Food scarcity, food security, commodified crops, and community outreach through food. The conversations we're having around the dinner table about our dinners are more in-depth and varied than they've ever been. Notions and myths of where our food comes from and our responsibility for it have been challenged in recent years, and we're in the middle of a resurgence of understanding what and why we eat. A block from my house is a community garden, and I walk through it with my kids to get to the playground. I remember when it started. I helped build it. It was just a few raised planters and a giant pile of compost. But over the last few years, it's grown to include more planters of different designs, a patio, and even a few fruit trees. The garden offers life to an otherwise vacant area in the neighborhood and provides not only food for those who grow, but for countless pollinators, insects, and other animals who have made their home there. Sometimes, the more urban you get, the more of these community gardens you'll see. I wanted to know more about the benefits of these gardens and what they can provide the communities they're in. So I called up Bonnie Clone and Chris Tours from the Butler Urban Farm Project in Kamloops, BC to hear about their 2020 Community Agricultural Grant by PV Industries and to learn more about giving back through growing. Hello, guys. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Chris. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Excellent. Excellent. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here, too. Thank you so much for joining me on Connected to the Land. Um, so listen, uh, Bonnie, let's get right into this farm project. I, I wonder if maybe you can tell me where the idea for the farm project came from. Yeah, absolutely. So the Butler Urban Farm um, was started a couple of years ago by a group in Kamloops that's called Jubilee Urban Movement and Partners, or JUMP for short. And um, the JUMP organization was a peer support group for people who um, who had lived experiences of homelessness, poverty, and, and hunger. Hmm. And so they started the Butler Urban Farm. Um, it's, right, it's right next to the food bank. And the idea was to um, engage people in growing food and offer a place for for people to come and and work with the land and um, and grow food that could be donated to the food bank or or to people volunteering in the garden. So 
um, the garden uh, was run for <clears throat> a couple of years by Jump, and mm-hmm. then um, this year the Kamloops Food Policy Council was asked to take it over because, um, you know, the, of sort of lack of capacity on on the part of that organization as it as it goes with nonprofits, right. and so um, we. Uh, stepped up and and worked with um, Chris and earlier in the season with um, Kevin Pankowicz to run the garden, the farm. Yeah, run the farm. Well, yeah, that's right. So so what, what has changed since you guys took over? Or um, has anything changed? Yeah, I think that, that uh, I mean, a couple of things. What, one of them is that I think the, the farm is kind of, you know, each successive year, um, we learn about how to farm that land better. Mm-hmm. And um, so there has been a lot of learning that has kind of, uh, you know, the foundation has been laid in previous years and now it's coming to fruition somewhat. Mm-hmm. We also, the Kamloops Food Policy Council also has a uh, fruit tree gleaning program. And so we have... Um, what, what's that? A, yeah, so if, if fruit tree owners in Kamloops, if they have excess fruit that they don't know what to do with, they can call oh, us, right. okay. and the fruit gets, we send volunteers to go pick it, and the fruit gets distributed between the volunteers, the homeowners, and part of it gets donated. Mm-hmm. And so our fruit gleaning program has been operating since 2013, and we have, uh, because of that program, we have a huge list of volunteers, a huge list of active volunteers. Uh, almost 300 active volunteers that we've, um, you know, sent emails out to and engaged in the garden. And so there's, I would say this year, there's been an influx of this sort of active um, workforce of people who are interested in in food and getting to know each other, yeah. as well as people coming from the neighborhood and just seeing what a, what a beautiful site it's turned into and wanting to engage in it. So I think those are some, some main Differences or some, I guess, just some things mm. that have kind of bloomed this year to use it. <laughs> right. Uh, that's totally fair. Puns like that. Absolutely. Fair game. <laughs> I feel like there might be a couple more coming. <laughs> all right. All right. I look forward to it. Um, so is it on the same, as same grounds as where it was before and just expanded from there? Yeah, that's right. Um, there, there, it is on the same grounds and there's, um, portions of the garden and sort of garden initiatives that weren't there before. And so Chris can talk to this a little Mm -hmm. bit more, but um, one example is there was a local nonprofit in town that was interested in starting a food-based social enterprise. And Mm -hmm. so there were a bunch of herbs that were planted for that local nonprofit to be able to make teas and like herb salts and that kind of thing. So there's, um, there's that, and we've also had a partnership with the Kamloops Naturalist Club um, that was resulted in the planting of um, native plant species on kind of the, the hilly boulevard that we have. Right. So just there's yeah, the the site is is similar, but there's um, you know there's kind of a deepening of the use of the space and more partnerships. So I don't know, Chris, if you want to talk a little bit more about what some of those other things are. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, one thing that Kevin Kevin Pankowicz, the farm manager that I took over from, uh, he really emphasized that the point of the farm should be to focus on the social infrastructures first mm-hmm. and then let the, the gardening and the harvesting of food kind of follow after that. So I think 
that's something that's really changed this year is that the focus has really been on creating the social infrastructure around the farm. Right. Um, so like Bonnie was saying, the Elizabeth Fry Society had a little um, herb garden that they're going to make like tea mixes out of. Um, we were also able to start a pilot program with a local restaurant downtown to start picking up compost um, from them, bringing it to the farm um, turning it into, you know, hyper local, super organic compost that then goes right into our farm. Mm. Um, so things like that. And, and as Bonnie had mentioned, the, the planting of those native plants along the boulevard, all of those projects have been really cool because it's been, it's been an opportunity to, to sort of bring people into the farm from a whole host of different directions and right. different experiences. So everything from a passerby on the street who might be on their way to uh, the food bank or just walking through their neighborhood, we have so many people that are uh, kind of now drawn into the site because of all these plantings. And um, so, yeah, I, I would say that's been kind of the biggest change this year is a real focus on the social infrastructure right. of the farm. This is, I mean, this just listening to the two of you describe this, it's it's way more than just a farm. Are, are all these initiatives under the umbrella of uh, of the Butler Farm, or, or is this more just the Kamloops Food Policy Council and the farm is part of it? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> or is it all kind of the same? Isn't <laughs> I I think that there's there is a lot of overlap. Um, such that it is sort of an organizational, you know, I would say that as an organization, um, you know, our, our vision with the Kenlet's Food Policy Council is a just, sovereign, and regenerative local food system. And so that weaves through all the work that we do. And and there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of support between the community food action programs mm -hmm. that we run. Like I mentioned, the gleaning program and the farm Um we have a seed library and, you know, host workshops of various types. So all those things kind of, you know, go together. We've right, got right. Um, seed saving happening, but, you know, impacting the farm in, in certain ways. And there's workshops happening on the farm by us or by community partners. Um, at the Food Policy Council, we often say we do three things. We do programs like the ones that we're talking about, partnerships and policy. And so we have a number of um policy advocacy initiatives and, you know, that kind of systems change mm -hmm. piece that that also um, plays into the way that we approach doing the farm and and our various on-the-ground programs. Uh, there's so much that you guys are putting forward here. This this is amazing. So I'm, I'm interested in knowing what, what the interest has been like. Like, who, who in the community have been responding and reaching out uh, to these programs that you guys have been putting out there? Yeah, it's been really incredible um, just to watch how passionate members of the community um, have been about this farm. Mm -hmm. um, I think this year, because, uh, you know, in past years, this has just been sort of a disused vacant lot. And it's slowly been building and building and building into what it is now, which is an urban farm that so far this year has produced over 6,000 pounds of produce Holy that's cow. all going into yeah. our local community. Um, and all of that produce is entirely non-commodified. Anyone is welcome to it. There are no fences. There are no gates. Um, anyone is welcome to come onto that farm and harvest whatever they need. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the response from the community alone, just in the, our little hyper-local you know, North Shore neighborhood right. has been incredible because I think people in this neighborhood are used to 
perhaps feeling kind of uninvested in and marginalized and generally underserved. And so I think for them to now walk by this previously vacant lot and see friends of theirs volunteering and bins full of produce and that the attitude is not, oh, um, you know, there's a gate or there's some sort of qualifier for produce, but rather you come onto the lot, you take as much as you want. Hmm. It's already your food. It's you already own it. You know, it's, I think it's been really incredible just, just how many volunteers and how many passerby um, every day, you know, I, I talk to at least a few people that have stopped by for the first time. Yeah. Uh, that sounds incredible. The way you, um, the way you set up the garden that anyone can come in and that hasn't, well, I, I don't, I don't want to sound insensitive, but have there, has that been an okay way to do things? Just to say, anyone, there are no gates. Anyone can come in at any time. I'm sorry, maybe I just have a little bit of a jaded city slicker attitude about things. Nope. But uh, no, that's that's completely um, completely right to have those concerns. I think um, the only reason that that system is working right now is that we have such a strong network with both our neighbors at the urban farm, um, being the people that live right next to the lot. Right. Um, but also our regular volunteers. Um, I've sort of been saying that my job as the farm manager is actually quite easy because I know whether or not I make it to the farm on a certain day, I know that there are people there on that lot checking in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's a little loud here right now. Um, it's busy at the farm. Um, I think that's the only reason that the kind of no fence, no gate system works is because we know we have a network of regular volunteers, neighbors, folks like that who are visiting the lot daily, who are keeping an eye on it, who have my phone number. Um, So if there are ever any concerns or or issues, um, we've been able to work through them pretty quickly. And and I think that's the only reason that this system can work. Uh, so I'm wondering, um, I, I want to talk about the, the farm specifically and what, what happens on the grounds. Now, are there, do you have mostly experienced gardeners there or, or are people trying it out for the first time? Like how does, uh, how, how, do, how does the food get grown and by whom? Um, so I would say the majority of folks that come to the farm might have sort of an interest in growing food, but I would say that the majority of them have probably very little experience. Um, They might have had a garden on their balcony or, um, you know, maybe been part of a smaller community garden plot. But most people that come um, generally don't have much experience. And that's sort of part of the reason that they're coming is they, they do want to learn. They want to understand how to grow their own food. And I think that's really one of the most exciting things about the farm is that people are coming there not only to you know, get some food, but a lot of people are coming there because they're actually really interested in understanding, like, how do I grow organically? You know, how do I, uh, how do I take care of a tomato plant? How do I harvest a potato? How do I, you know, Hmm. most of these people don't, um, they haven't had experience with that. So they, they're coming to the farm to also learn. Right. Um, so really it's kind of the role of the farm manager to, be there as a resource. Mm -hmm. Um, But generally what we try and do is people who come to the farm, 
there's there's no hierarchy on the farm. I, I don't right. presume that I'm in control of anyone. I'm just simply there as a resource to help people understand how things are growing, how to harvest certain things, how to prune certain things, right, right. how to care for certain things. Yeah. So, well, I guess you kind of answered my next question then. I mean, this is, I was going to ask, like, is there a, uh, a, like an educational component to this? Um, like the experienced farmers teaching those who are coming in who maybe require a little bit of guidance. And it sounds like that is kind of happening naturally, but mostly through you. These are mostly new green thumbers out there who are, who are growing. Yeah, I would say like the majority of people that I interact with on a day-to-day basis, you know, I'll show them something and they'll be like, oh, you know, I I never really knew that that's how this works. I would say the majority of people, yeah, have have very little experience with gardening. Um, uh, Bonnie, we lost you there for a second, but you're back with us now, I think. I am. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, I've got a question here for you. Um, What's involved in getting a garden like this off the ground? Like what what are some of the challenges to, to make this happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the challenges was um, changing the public perception about what it could be. Um, there, you know, in the past, it, it, it's, a, it's a very large space for, you know, one or two even coordinators to run um, all season. Right. And so in the past, um, there was just, I think, a less less volunteer engagement, perhaps less efficient utilization of the space, and some complaints about, you know, weeds and things like that. And so, having um, having to kind of um, both like prove that it could be a functional, beautiful space that really enhances the neighborhood, um, and 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 changing people's perception about some of the concerns that you brought up, like. You know, are you know are people going to be stealing food and things right. like that? And um, one of our values, uh, we have seven values in the Food Policy Council, and one of them is around revitalizing the food commons. And so, really understanding, um, you know, that we're approaching this project as a way to take a private, privately held space and make it into a public good, and um, you know, grow food that already belongs to the people in the neighborhood. And we do that in in a certain you know way with our gleaning abundance program as well where mm-hmm. you know we have, there's privately held trees that we're um, harvesting from and and redistributing it right. in the community and um, and so this is the first time that we've you know kind of taken that goal and and applied it to um, to something that we're you know kind of more hands-on like doing ourselves yeah. and so I think that um, you know, from kind of a high level perspective, I think, I think those were the challenges is just helping people to, um, helping people to see what that could look like. And Kevin and Chris have just done such an amazing job of, of making that space, um, not just productive, um, but also a really inviting, beautiful space for people and pollinators and, um, Mm. And so I think it's, yeah, it really has surpassed all of, all of my hopes and, and expectations for the space. And um, yeah, largely just due to the, the amazing like skills and passion and management of, of, um, of our employees and, yeah. and the volunteers. Um, you, you talked about this a little bit, but has there been much pushback from the community as you got this going? No, I mean, Chris, maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit more kind of on the ground. I would say from... 
um, from my perspective, everyone has been, yeah, just really impressed with the garden. Um, the, the city of Kamloops, they're redoing the, um, the neighborhood plan for the North Shore, which is the neighborhood that the garden exists in. And, you know, at the meetings, they, they talk about the garden as kind of an example of, of ways to, um, revitalize the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, and, uh, do public produce in a really, in a really, you know, effective way. So I think I see a lot of, uh, a lot of really great, you know, feedback and great feelings about the garden. What about you, Chris? What's it like for you? Yeah, I would say, um, this year has really gone, especially under Kevin's direction, the farm's really gone a long way to, you know, repair a couple relationships that were maybe a little strained in the past in the local neighborhood because mm-hmm. the lot was a little bit diffused and there was some problems with management in, in you know, in some of the, the previous years. But I think what this year was able to do was show that, you know, all these good intentions that have gone into the farm, um, this idea from this idea that Jump had, you know, years ago, to now with KFPC um, sort of heading the project, all of that plus volunteer passion can actually grow into something really, really incredible. Mm. So I think this year it's like, you know, our neighbors, um, Shelly and Tim, like they're so supportive and I talk to them almost every day over the fence. And, um, you know, it's great to see that people in the neighborhood really believe in it now and and they sort of treat it as part of the neighborhood at, rather than something that's just sort of temporary or or fleeting it's sort of a part of the neighborhood now chris you just mentioned the uh, kfpc which is the kamloops food policy council uh yep. we also talked to i've been listening to you guys describe uh what's going on on this farm and just sort of the space itself but i wonder if maybe you can give us maybe chris you'd be a good one to answer this give us sort of a, a layout of the land like what what actually does this place look like how how big is it i know um bonnie you mentioned that it's a fairly large space to manage but how large is a large urban garden like this so um the two sort of lots that we're occupying i believe total to about three quarters of an acre. Um, We're basically sandwiched in between um, a couple residential houses, Mm -hmm. um, some commercial businesses on one side, and then behind uh, the farm on one end is sort of more vacant land that's owned by the Butler family. Um, They run like an RV dealership. So there's sort of vacant land back there. it's essentially uh, a large flat lot with a very steep slope at one end along the road. So the great thing about the lot is as you're walking along the road, you get this beautiful overview um, of the entire space. Mm-hmm. And so it's been great because people walking by are able to look down and see all of these rows planted um, with produce. And I think it it invites them to come in and kind of learn a bit more about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say we have probably 80% of the land planted um, pretty densely. Um, it's been intensely productive this year. As I said, we're we're now over 6,000 pounds of produce for this season. That's incredible. And are yeah. you in charge of, of plotting out what gets planted and where it gets planted there, Chris? Or, or is that left up to the gardeners? So um, Kevin, this year, this spring, did a ton of work um, 
planning that out. Um, basically, all of the plants that were planted at the farm this year were donated um, either by um, the folks at Garden Gate, which is a really great organization locally in Kamloops um, that helps folks kind of find meaningful work through working in their nursery and their greenhouses. Um, or from local farmers or just folks in the community who started seeds for us and brought them. Um, so Kevin did the majority of the planning for that, um, sticking to kind of good principles of permaculture and organic farming. Mm -hmm. um, so the rows are planted with a diversity of crops that work well together um, and are definitely set up to be grown, you know, organically, no pesticides, nothing like that. So, And this, uh, the, this is not a reap what you sow kind of garden either, is it? I mean, it's it sounds like um, you're you're not just parceling off parts of a garden that you can come in and you sort of grow whatever you want, and then you take that home. This is actually the gardeners are coming in to grow crops for for the garden, which then go back to the community which they are a part of. A am I getting that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, one thing that we did do this year is we offered um, sort of small. Uh, sections of rows at the back of the garden for anyone in the local community who mm -hmm. wanted to try their hand out growing something specifically for themselves. Right. Um, and we sort of, you know, allowed them to have those rows with the expectation that they would sort of keep them tidy um, and sort of contribute um, volunteer hours to the farm. Um, all the folks that have sort of their own personal rows at the back are kind of our most regular volunteers. Um, but yes, the majority of the farm, it's it's totally communal. So the right. idea is that it's, it's everyone's food. Um, like I said, it, it's already your food. You can't really steal it or take it. Right. It's already you. Right. Okay. And what sorts of things are you growing there? Um, our biggest crop this year, like we, we focused on potatoes, tomatoes, um, zucchini, okay. um, really sort of productive crowd pleasers. Everyone likes right. them. Um, but we also have a, a variety of greens, um, kale, lettuce, chard. Um, we grew a lot of hot peppers this year, which was challenging. Um, a lot of our volunteers didn't really want spicy food. So okay. we had to kind of get creative <laughs> to get people to try some, you know, cooking with peppers and eating peppers. Oh. Um, but yeah, we, we have a real diversity of crops and it's been great because I think it when you have people out on the farm and they're harvesting it themselves, they're more inclined to try something new that they might not have tried before, that they might not generally consider that that's a vegetable that they want to eat. I think when they're harvesting it themselves, they're more likely to take it home and, and try it. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask you that actually, how, how difficult it's been because I know... Um you know, I know just simply for myself, and there are those among us who might find it difficult to uh, to necessarily eat the kind of nutritious foods that we need to eat, and then you factor in maybe some other uh, some other factors in people's lives. That you know, how to, how is it? Is there an educational component to this as well, where you're trying to teach nutrition as a part of of growing and gardening? Yeah, well, I think that's where I think that's where Kamloops Food Policy Council. Like, I think that's why. Um, the KFPC kind of being the backbone of this project is so important because KFPC has such a history of that kind of education and that kind of engagement with the community. So I think um, KFPC is able to kind of use the farm as a tool 
right. really for education and for getting people to understand that we can grow our own food organically and locally and it's good for you and it's it's good for you to eat but it's also good for you to garden yeah. it's good for you to go out to the farm and work you know um well that brings me to my next question pretty uh, succinctly actually because i want to talk about sort of the the ethos of of this podcast which is being connected to the land and it sounds like you were just about to go there chris before i butted in but um i mean clearly there's a huge connection to the land simply by having a garden and growing your own food and I'm wondering if you think there's a larger benefit that the community can reap by having or fostering this connection, you know, and, and is that part of uh, part of the idea behind this garden? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I think you really kind of summed it up there. I think that's kind of the most important thing about this garden. Right. Um, like I said, Kevin really instilled in me that uh, the most important thing here is to focus on the social infrastructure and let the gardening come as a result of that. Mm. And so to me, the most important thing about this farm is that folks in this neighborhood who often feel kind of marginalized and alienated from a lot of things that the rest of us enjoy frequently, um, maybe going to a farmer's market and feeling like we can access fresh, um, local, organic produce, a lot of folks in this neighborhood might not feel like they can access that. And so the fact that this farm is in the center of their neighborhood, uh, like I said, no fences, no gates, no qualifications needed. Um, I, I think, and I, I know in at least a couple of situations, people have told me that it really is sort of a form of therapy for them. Like mm -hmm. it, it is, it is giving them something that they feel part ownership over and I think it, it's giving them an opportunity to feel that connection to growing and a connection to the place that they live in, right. um, which I think is, you know, it's hard to do. It's hard for anyone to do that. So right. I, I think that's the most important result of the farm. Really. Um, at, at the heart of a lot of this conversation is the idea of food scarcity and, and food security. And um, I'll pose this one to you, uh, Bonnie. Um, how important are these conversations? And are you having these conversations um, at the farm? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things that is really important to us at the food the Kenlitz Food Policy Council is to um, do initiatives like the Butler Urban Farm in parallel with um, with what I would maybe call an upstream approach to looking at food insecurity, and so you know, as as Chris had mentioned, gardening is is therapeutic. It's good for people. It's um, you know, and and we've got six thousand pounds of produce in the food system feeding people that wasn't there before, um, and we also know that there's like single moms out there working to um, full-time minimum wage jobs who still can't afford to have proper nutrition and, and probably don't have the time to farm either. And so the Kamloops Food Policy Council does things like right now we're um, convening a cross-agency roundtable on looking at um, income-based solutions mm -hmm. to household food insecurity and, and really making sure that we're advocating for um, policies that will... Um, they will impact people um, and lift them out of lift them out of household food insecurity um, in that kind of upstream way, so that mm -hmm. people can access food in a dignified manner. And um, and we also 
we have a partnership with a working group on indigenous food sovereignty. We've been, um, you know, supporting initiatives to protect wild salmon and, and taking really a close look at our agricultural paradigms and the way that, um, you know, when we intensively grow food with a lot of, you know, fertilizers and pesticides, the way that that impacts um, food security in right. indigenous communities, you know, the, the way that salmon are less able to, um, to thrive in those instances. And so we, we, we like to take a whole food systems approach to that question of food security and, um, and make sure that we're doing initiatives like the Butler Urban Farm, mm -hmm. along with looking at some of those bigger policy questions and, um, and really understanding uh, how a food system can be regenerative, sovereign, and just. Um, so I want to bring this around now to um, a big award that you guys got. You were just awarded a 2020 Community Agricultural Grant by PV Industries. Um, congratulations, that's huge. Thank you. Yeah, it's very exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what was it like when you heard the news that you got the award? <laughs> we were, um, yeah, it was really exciting. It, um, it, the award is going to um, purchase equipment for the Butler Urban Farm. Um, and so just being able to kind of deepen, deepen the uh, activities that happen on the farm, deepen mm -hmm. the education that goes along with the farm. It's, it's, yeah, just, a, just an incredible opportunity. And we're very grateful for, um, for all of our community supporters and, um, and yeah, this, this really will, I think, be a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a tipping point towards like having more engagement in the in the farm and um, and for the impact of the farm to kind of spread throughout the community. So it's a great award. It's it's thirty thousand dollars, and so that that's a that's a large chunk of change. Like, what is that going to mean for your farm? Like, how is that going to change the farm itself? Yeah. Well, maybe Chris can. Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we're planning there? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean it's. It's a huge investment into the farm. Um, it's going to allow us to purchase and install a greenhouse, um, which will help us kind of expand a bit of the sort of educational aspect of the farm. Um, so that'll help us um, start more of our own seeds, um, offer, sort of offer starter plants to folks in the community, and also have a greenhouse space for folks to kind of engage with that that aspect of the farm cycle, kind of your early season um, preparatory farm work. Um, so that's really exciting. We're also going to be able to upgrade our sort of area where we sort of process and wash our produce. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll give us the ability to just have a bit more of a streamlined um, system for washing and prepping our produce to get distributed out to our community partners. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be really great because so many of the programs that we're delivering to are already just working, you know, so, so hard to deliver, uh, you know, hot meals uh, to folks that, that need it. And so if we're able to bring them the produce uh, clean and and sort of prepped and ready for them. That yeah. that's really going to help us. And I mean, just beyond that, just to have 
um, a bit of money to buy new tools and to sort of upgrade some of the stuff that is there on the farm right now and, and could use a bit of help is really going to make a huge difference. So I want to, I want to look into the future a little bit. Like do you, do you see this garden as being something that's going to last indefinitely or, or was it created as a stopgap for food security? And then the hope is that one day you're just not going to need it. I mean, what, what does the future of your garden look like? That is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. We, um, the, actually, Kamloops has this sort of interesting history with um, with what what we could broadly define as public produce, and um, there's been some research done on it, some articles written, and I mean, one of the things that one of our early uh, instigators of public produce projects had said is that it's um, public produce is it can be temporary. Like it's, you know, in, in, um, I guess it's maybe, maybe what they mean to say is that it's not a reason not to start something if you don't think it's going to last forever. Um, and, and in that there's strength and there's, you know, a flexibility in, um, in the food system by being able to, to kind of have that nimbleness. Um, and so while we, you know, subscribe to that and, and aim to embody that in our organization, we also hope that the, that the Butler Urban Farm will have a pretty significant longevity. Um, mm-hmm. We're in talks with the, with the owners and um, we'd like to, you know, we have a good relationship with them and, and want to keep it going. And so if there's a way for us to, um, you know, to kind of secure that on a, on a long-term basis, we, we are working towards that so that, you know, we won't, we won't have to move, but um, yeah, it's, you know, that's part of the, um, part of the food system is, is um, sort of the, the challenges for people starting up farming initiatives to access land. And so, you know, I would say that we are not separate from that in our desire to, um, to grow food and, and we, you know, we live that in in our work and and with the Butler Urban Farm, so yeah. uh, we'd love to see it continue on. Um, I, I did it again, uh, Chris. I left the idea of winterizing and the con- <laughs> the question about winterizing your garden to the last few minutes, but we do have a couple of minutes. <laughs> I was wondering if maybe you could walk me through briefly. What I mean, I know this is not a brief question, and there's no brief answer for this, but maybe just give us a little bit of an idea of what you have to prepare over the next few weeks as the, as winter approaches. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, sort of the key with uh, growing organically is is you're really focusing on the health of your soil. So your end of season is actually uh, crucially vital to the success of your next season because you want to set up uh, the health of your soil so that next spring you can just hit the ground running and, and things are going to thrive. Um, so for me, what that's looked like is a lot of cover cropping um, with nitrogen fixers and crops that will help to suppress weeds. Um, but it also means um, taking all of this dead plant material from the farm and making sure that that doesn't go to waste. Hmm. Um, so finding effective ways to Uh, compost all of your green material or chip it into the soil. Um, We try to minimize the tilling um, Mm -hmm. because we want to sort of keep our networks of mycelium and bacteria and and, um, all those sort of soil benefits going. 
Um, so wherever possible, we're basically amending all of our rows with compost, green compost, um, and doing our best to make sure that uh, next spring this soil is just full of life, thriving, ready to go. Right. Um, so, so in a nutshell, that's kind of what winterizing looks like. It's, it's really trying to take advantage of everything you have on the farm right now that might seem like waste or it might seem like it's done for the year. Um, but it, it really can provide a whole uh, other level of nutrition for, for your soil. Your garden sounds like a huge success. Uh, congratulations on everything you guys have put together. I wonder if maybe you guys have a, just a little bit of advice for those who might be thinking, hearing this, and, and thinking that this is something that they can start in their community. Bonnie, you want to go first? Oh, man, I was thinking, I was hoping you would go first. So <laughs> let me think about it. <laughs> I can go first. Okay, so my my advice would be, um, the advice that my predecessor, uh, Kevin Pankwich, um, gave to me, which is uh, focus on the social infrastructure that's going to support your farm uh, first. Um, mm. Gardening and farming and growing vegetables, uh, there are challenges inherent in that, and it takes a lot of work. But at the end of the day, something like this will never work unless you have a community that is engaged with it. Mm-hmm and a core group of people who are invested in that work and who are going to show up every day and, and make it a success. The, the Butler Urban Farm is a success because of the volunteers. And, mm. and without them, we, we wouldn't have anything close to what we have right now. So, so that would be my advice. Great advice. Uh, Bonnie, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, maybe just bringing it back to that... Um, you know, kind of from a food systems approach um, that I actually think that uh, programs like the Butler Urban Farm and our gleaning program, um, they lend a lot of, uh, they lend a lot of credibility, a lot of kind of on the ground action to, to some of the questions of how to create a more um, just sovereign and regenerative food system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we're, advocating for um, income-based solutions to household food insecurity, you know, there's, we, we, it's, it's possible for an organization to say, you know, we need both and this is what it looks like. Um, Both, you know, direct, like donating food or growing food for people and also saying, Hey, like we need higher minimum wages or, or livable wages or whatever it is. And, um, and so um, having a site like the Butler urban farm, you know, it really, allows people to think about, okay, what, what does decommodified food look like in reality? And, um, and it's, you know, you can walk into a garden that, um, has food that, that, you know, is, is free for the taking. So I think that the, the, um, I guess I would advise organizations, um, to do a project like this to really, you know, forward, some of their holistic food system goals that that could really shift the paradigm in a way that um, that is is needed, in, especially in light of you know climate change and pandemics mm-hmm. and disruptions in our food system. Bonnie, Chris, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, uh, for sharing your story about this. This is great. Thank you very much, Thanks Ian. So much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. All right, all the best with it. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Connected to the Land is a PV Industries podcast produced by Village Sound, and I'm your host, Ian Sherwood. 
A special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Mr. Heater, North America's most popular brand of portable heaters and accessories. You can find out more information on Mr. Heater, as well as this episode's guest, at connectedtotheland.info. If you enjoyed this program, you should consider subscribing. Also, you can check us out at connectedtotheland.info, our affiliated website and a great resource for homesteading, farming, and all things connected to the land. Thanks for listening.